And welcome back to the fear of God. We are at uh, a whole baker's dozen in terms of our episodes here. Episode lucky number 13. Um, Today on the fear of God, we're going to be discussing um, an interesting little movie called Unfriended. I am Nathan Rouse and typically with me is Reed Lackey, but unfortunately I unfriended him. And he will not be... Just kidding. Here you are, Reed. Welcome to the show. <laughs> it's always a point of interest for me to see how you're going to intro me whenever whenever we get to whenever it. Whenever I take the lead, yes. It's true. I just like to keep you on your toes, you know, like a real friendship. I appreciate that. That, that means a lot to me. No problem. Um, well, there's remarkably a good bit of ground to cover with this movie, so we're going to jump right in. I'll, I'll sort of intro a little bit. You had thrown out a number of ideas for conversation topics uh, leading up to even just the beginning of recording our podcast months ago. Um, and this, I think, was circling the list for a while. Absolutely, um, yeah. And as I am prone to do, sometimes I judged you for it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, on the surface, it doesn't sound like something that would necessarily provoke lots of conversation. It's unfriended. It feels very topical. And it is topical. But, you know, from my perspective, it's like, well, I don't know. Um, you really pushed for it, which I'm glad you did. And here we are, having watched, I watched Unfriended a couple weeks ago. And man, there is, it is supercharged with discussion possibilities. Absolutely. Um, and I am glad we are getting around to it. So we are going to be talking about Unfriended today. Um, and uh, any, you speak a little bit about what led you to um, this movie, what led you to specifically want to talk about it. And then we'll get into some of the likes, dislikes, scary moments, themes. Well, I had seen the movie as a lark, kind of because I, anytime a film comes out that is even moderately praised in the horror genre, I'm going to be curious about it. In fact, sometimes films come out that uh, I'm not, they don't, they're not even very highly praised, but I'm still curious enough about them given their premise or giving some sort of uh, focal point that they have. Unfriended received some pretty positive reviews, and so I was saying, all right, well, let me, let me check this movie out. And... As I sometimes do, occasionally I will put a movie on that I plan to simultaneously fold laundry or wash dishes or whatever. Please don't judge me as a movie viewer. There's occasional time where I'm just like, okay, this is just something I want on in the background. I want to check it out. And I put Unfriended on in that regard, and about 10 to 15 minutes in, I found myself unable to do anything. I was glued to the screen. Some of that is by necessity because the plot and the style of the film forces you to view the screen. Basically, um, the scenario is that a group of people are on a web chat uh, hanging out one night, and uh, I'll leave it at there for right now before we start getting into more specifics. Because of that format, a lot of things happen on screen which are typed, and they're not spoken, so it forces you to stay engaged with the, with the screen and with what's happening. And they actually, I think, do that very effectively. Like every once in a while, they'll infuse emotional moments into something where you'll see somebody type something, and then they'll backspace it before they'll send it. You'll see them try again, and then they'll backspace it again. So you can see more of the inner workings than probably you even would with a more straightforward narrative. Yeah. Um, and so that, that appealed to me. And I was so surprised at actually how scary it was. I was really, the, the level of terror that it generates, it was just far more intense than I was really prepared for. And as you mentioned, there were a lot of things to talk about um, just in terms of particularly the impact of social media on us as human beings sure. and how it's changed us 
as people and how we interact with other people and how those relationships develop. So because of some of those touch points of conversation, I was like, I really want to talk about this on the show. And I remember, uh, yeah, you, you, you teased me a bit initially for the for just, just suggesting it and i would I, venture i cyber bullied you a little ba- bit basically basically <laughs> but to that point i wouldn't be surprised if some of our listeners saw this as our next episode and had the same reaction sure. we're like what in the world are they talking about this are they just are they already mining the bottom of the well to to try to find things but i encourage you please if you have not seen this movie or if you've dismissed it for some of those same reasons where you're like, this does not, this seems too gimmicky. It does not look interesting. It doesn't seem very appealing. Please give this movie a chance. It is, it is rough. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie to you. I would say probably content wise, it's one of the rougher films that we've, there's a ton of foul language. There's no sexuality or anything. Well, there's a little bit, but not, not an intense amount, but, uh, it's definitely a little heavier on the content factor but I think there's so much happening in this movie that is worth thinking about if you're going to engage the conversation about how we are as people face-to-face versus how we are as people in the virtual or digital world. Sure. Uh, and, you know, the, to, the loose premise, you, you've, you've brushed up against it, but the loose premise is it's, it is a group of friends, about half a dozen, I believe, and the very first frame of the movie, perhaps, you're seeing one of their one of the friends internet uh diversions what you learn is there was a, a another peer of theirs who had committed suicide it had been it had been taped and broadcast yeah uh, posted. uploaded to youtube and yeah so so it's clear these six characters have the, a frequent sort of video chat kind of friday night type of hangout and mysterious things start happening and so that's sort of what propels us into the story but you made a good point um, there, there are moments that this movie reminded me of a movie we'll probably get to talking about at some point. It follows where you are just as a viewer, you, you are conditioned through the content of what's happening on screen to watch the screen. Right. Um, and in a way that a lot of movies forgive you or, or don't demand that kind of attentiveness. Correct. You still, you know, more or less want to give attention to the movies you watch, but you know, nothing, it follows and unfriended specifically have a way in their, uh, composition of of forcing you to just kind of study what's taking place on the physical screen, and you made a good note uh, about the what's typed and then erased and stuff. What's interesting about this movie that many don't afford is you know in in acting and storytelling we talk a lot about subtext and what a character is thinking versus and how that conflicts or complements the way they behave. Sure. And this is an interesting experiment in your at least for one of the characters. I mean, the, the primary girl whose who's character's name I forget, but... Blair, I believe, actually. Oh, yeah. Let's see. Blair. I mean, just, we were talking about the, the Blair Witch Project. I mean, she's, <laughs> you know, spoiler alert. Um, but uh, anyway, you, you, you are seeing the things she is typing because she's engaging in the on-camera conversations with the friends, but she's also typing to her boyfriend, who's one of the friends. Right. She's also doing some internet sleuthing uh, throughout the movie, so it's a, it's an interesting, um, in a way that I've never seen before up till now, uh, way of viewing what a character's thinking and how it complements or conflicts uh, what their behavior is. And in turn, y- your comment about doing laundry or dishes or what have you, um, on a lark one night, uh, we we clearly love that word today. <laughs> um, I happened to see it was on HBO Go, and it was in the about to leave category. Oh, right. And I thought, well, I don't want to pay for it later on, so I'll stream it now. Um, and again, going into it with a little bit of reservation, within minutes, I was like, whoa, okay. I don't know if this movie is just really good or what's happening, but I'm very gripped by, I mean, within minutes. Absolutely. It was, it was not long to really be plugged into what it was, no, no pun intended there, um, <laughs> to really be plugged into what it was going for. And... And by the end of it, I was legitimately, you know, freaked out by it. It, yeah. it. it did its work well. I legitimately sort of ate some crow and was like, all right, you know, that was better than I expected. <laughs> sure. um, it will probably not make some best of list necessarily, but not because it's not a good movie. Just sure, you know, sure, kind of sure. miss people's radars. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, that's sort of looking at some of that. Were, were there specific other than the sort of mode of storytelling, were right. there specific things to you that really stood out to you? 
Um, maybe, maybe some things you didn't like, any, any sort of thing. Sure. Like um, I think, so there's one, there's two elements. One that I'll say that I'm very impressed with and one that I'll say you kind of have to suspend your disbelief a little bit with. Um, so the format of this movie is the entire movie takes place real time. It is uh, 90 minutes long and it is for the lives of these people. It is 90 minutes. And um, so part of what I was impressed by, a little bit of uh, meta knowledge, the filming all took place in the same house. They were just in different rooms of the house. The film that you see all played out in a single take. Now, when I say that, um, they obviously had inserts and pickups and things like that, but the performance that you see by the characters is all playing out in real time, in one take, kind of like a live stage performance. There are um, some elements of uh, improvisation to the script, which is why actually sometimes in the more frightening moments you get a lot of filler, foul language, but um, there's some elements of improvisation to the script. I'm just very impressed with the way they executed this film. They said that they would do a full take of the full big movie, and then you know they would give their actors a little bit of a break, and then they would go in and do another one. I think they did a total of of like 16, 15 or 16 of those full takes of the movie. The final film wound up not being what they thought they were going to get, which is pieces of different takes. The final film that you see happened to be one of the complete takes. So it's just interesting in how it's filmed. It's interesting in what it demanded of its actors. I've always felt like um, horror films in general are underappreciative of the acting quality that can sometimes be delivered. It can be difficult to sell to an audience that you're genuinely scared. Sure. And these guys do it very, very well, pretty much across the board. Um, one thing that I will say sort of hurts the suspension of disbelief a little bit is that we talked earlier about those moments when they're typing. They are all on a web chat. There are moments where two characters are typing or people are typing and the audio from the rest of the people suddenly kind of goes silent for stretches of two minutes or so so that the viewing audience can focus on what's being typed. That's a little unbelievable that five people in a web chat would go silent for that long and still be in contact with each other. But they did that out of necessity so that you won't be trying to hear what people are saying and try to watch what they're typing at the same time. But that's just a, a skillful you know, yeah. execution on the part of the director. Yeah, which I mean, the I director, think that was, um, that was an intentional choice, um, I think. Absolutely. I think the director's name is, uh, if I'm going to say this right, Leo Gabriazzi. I believe I that's correct. You probably got that wrong. I um, probably did get that wrong. But Well, and, and to your point, I did, I did some reading the night I watched it. It's been a couple weeks now. But the impression I got from my reading was they attempted multiple take versions mm. in initial shooting. Oh. And the act, actually, at least to my recollection, the, the actor who plays Blair, the lead female, kind of petitioned hey you know we're having a hard time because because she kind of carries the emotional heft by the she end does. of it right um kind of having a hard time getting there uh, sort of that began what landed with the the single take sure you know sure. style which which works i mean it works for this it's a it's a very interesting you know kind of like what you said um horror doesn't often get credit for perhaps acting quality in it but also even just inventive you know, um, directorial stuff. Right. I mean, to, it's, I don't know. I think it's pretty cool as having a theater background and live experience and that sort of stuff. I do think it's kind of interesting that this was all shot in one house. They're all in different rooms. Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. That really kind of enhances, uh, instead of takes away from some of the, the appreciation factor. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I feel that, uh, the film, as you said, like it, it's got some pretty effective scares. The, the tension builds throughout the entire film where by the last 30 minutes you're you're pretty distraught in terms of if you're invested in the movie you're you're pretty tense and you're pretty nervous for these people because basically i don't know if we've said it yet but while they are on this web chat together there is a a a pictureless profile that is also in their web chat and so they initially sort of like what is this is this a hacker is it a you know a ghost glitch profile or, right. a glitch what is this and so then as they begin to sort of try to kick this entity out uh the entity begins to claim that it is the spirit of this peer of theirs who had committed suicide and you quickly begin to realize that there's a specific reason why it is haunting these 
five or six people. Um, it's actually, so the main core chat is between five people. There is a sixth person that they later call in and who That's quickly, right. Right. that person also quickly exits the scene in a, in a rather frightening way. But basically these, these, these six people, these five people are in a conversation together, supposedly being joined by this undead spirit, this undead entity. Um, and that is the basic premise of the film. I'm going to stop right now and make a very big urge. If you dismissed this as something you're really not interested in, um, you are always welcome to continue listening to our conversation and we'll spoil everything for you. But I would really encourage you, give this movie a chance um, and, and check it out. Everybody that I have spoken to about it has had a consistent feeling of that was much better than I expected it to be. I think you'll have the same, you, the listener, will have the same experience. So I'm giving you a chance now before we get into spoilers very quickly to, uh, to stop this and watch it and then return to us later. So basically what has happened is this entity is haunting these people because these people at some point had a social effect on uh, the, the character of uh, Laura, I believe is her name, um, that they had an effect on Laura in the social media realm. They either posted uh, something about her, a comment about her, or most importantly, there is a video that was taken of her one evening where she uh, basically was at a party. She got too drunk and was in a very compromised and vulnerable position that video was then uploaded to YouTube for everyone to see and for everyone to make judgments about Laura as a character. And what we learn is that she holds these people responsible for this. Because when that video was uploaded, that's what destroyed her reputation, ultimately led to her taking her own life, which was also filmed and also uploaded to the Internet. Um, and so it just sparks this interesting idea of the broader conversation about cyberbullying and the broader conversation of how we behave on the internet to other people. Before we specifically dive into that, which I know we will rather quickly, were there any specific for you uh, scare moments or moments that you would point to as saying like, okay, this was deliberately very unnerving or, or, um, or frustrating? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's been a couple of weeks since I've watched it, and so memory's slightly hazy on it. But you know, again, it just does such a good job of quickly establishing. And, and honestly, I wonder if that just has to do with, at least for me, having never seen a movie in this type of format. Like mm. you're you're there is this dissonance that's happening. Like my brain, I, I need to shift a bit of a gear to access what they're trying to feed me here. Right. And so because of that, I'm a little more on edge, a little more attuned sure. to what I'm watching play out. And I think um, overall, probably the two biggest scare moments for me, one was the first death, you know, the, oh, the yeah. kind of the tech hacker kid. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Who's well, that first moment when you see there's a camera element in his room that's, you know, suddenly broadcast oh a different perspective on him. You're like, what is happening? Yeah. And, and I think with each of them, do the lights go out or something? Yeah, the, the camera begins to glitch or they'll have some yeah, sort of yeah, yeah. like... Their when, feed. Yeah, exactly. Their feed will be disrupted. And when it reestablishes, they're in this horrific... And I don't, oh, his was like a blender. Oh God, it was awful. Yeah. Um, his so, name's Ken. Yeah. So that, that very first death, because suddenly the stakes go get serious, you know, like, yeah. Oh, Holy cow. This is a whole different, uh, whole different ball game. We're, in, we're, we're playing here. So that was a big one to me. Uh, other than that, all of the character deaths are pretty, um, spoilers told you, um, <laughs> are, you know, are to a certain degree increasing in grotesquery, but all relatively similar in terms of their violence and, and whatever. So I'd say probably other than that one, the biggest scare moment to me is the very last shot, you know, where oh, the very this, last shot. Oh. this, this Laura entity monster creature demon thing has, has found its last victim. And you suddenly see the very first shot, not from, or is it, is what? it from, I was going to say not from a camera's perspective. I mean, not from a computer's perspective. I think that is the, I think that is the first shot where you're not viewing it through a computer screen. 
Does the laptop close? The laptop closes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So, so yeah. In terms of just scares, I think those were the two strongest for me. Um, although, again, like they they really do a good job with the tension towards the end. You know, the gamesmanship that this that this evil spirit is playing on them, um, right. forcing the oh. See now I'm remembering all the things. The printed page that the two get. Oh. Each of them, it says don't tell on the other or something like that. Yeah, the printed page. Two characters receive a printed page, and what you later learn each of their pages said is, if you show this, the other one will die. Right. And and eventually and Blair gives in. Yeah, eventually Blair gives in, and poor old Adam goes uh, goes bye bye. Um, well, I will say this: the scariest moment in the movie for me is something that I want to wait because it ties directly into one of the pivotal themes. Um, so maybe maybe let's transition into that, because I know there's a lot of things to talk about thematically. So unless you had some specific No, I, I'm, I'm looking at the notes I took thematically, and I'm like, I don't even know how to sort all of this. Um, it's a lot. It's pretty yeah, rich. Yeah. I, I, think, I think it can all be summed up, though, in... How do I say this without using blue language? The Internet is a terrible place. <laughs> I mean, it is. You know, I, I have even unrelated to this movie, I have thought that lately. Like, just in my in my own social media comings and goings, um, you know, the, there is a lot that we could point to in terms of connectivity and democratization of information. Um, you know, uh, there's there's a lot you can applaud the internet for in terms sure. of positive effect on the human race. But there is it. It is it is questionable if if the positive is outweighed by the dark, dank, murky cesspool of nasty yes. that the internet also is. Absolutely not. And not even in a possible way. In a no, it is a terrible place. And yeah, if you linger too long and kick the wrong nest or look in that corner over there, you're in for a disgusting look at the bitter black soul of humanity. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. The I, I had two things that I'll point to on that to maybe fuel the next part of the conversation that there's a phrase in our household that I stated and uh, it, it's come to it's come to bear many, many times uh, throughout the course of our social media interactions, but I call it Facebook strikes again. And basically what that is referring to is some instance in where uh, friends who we would normally trust and enjoy company with, something happens on the internet. Either a picture is posted of an event we weren't invited to, or somebody likes something that when they never like your stuff, or they uh, somebody will engage in such a way that is so contrary to their normal persona. I'm sure that our listeners have experienced this, where there's somebody who is completely docile and amiable and very friendly in person, but turn into a rank raving political demon on yes. Facebook yes. and they will be using language about other human beings that is reprehensible right. and we resp- just want to pledge them. Oh, yeah, going back <laughs> to last week, absolutely. And I think that it's it's something that we really must be more mindful of consistency in our interactions with people. I think there is something perverse about the safety of a keyboard where you are alone and you are not face to face with someone where you can just say horrible things and put it out there and then you can close your computer or shut down your app and move on with your life. We had somebody, and I will not call this person out by name, but we had somebody in the very early days of our, of our show who did almost the exact same thing, like questioned, questioned our faithfulness in their comment and just left it there and then even said in the comment please don't respond because i'm not interested in discussing this right so they made the statement on facebook you know like i would wonder why anybody would watch these kind of movies and engage with this kind of material and then please don't respond to me so facebook specifically gives you the platform to do that very thing to basically drop a bomb 
into somebody's, make judgments about somebody, uh, say something overtly negative, and then exit the conversation, which you can actually do on the app. It's a con, like a right, setting right, where you can right. exit the conversation. conversation. Well, and it's interesting too, you know, I just made the comment and I'm about to pat myself on the back for my wisdom here. Um, uh, that's, that's a bit sarcastic. <laughs> I know when you don't respond with a, with a laugh, I need to uh, cover my bases there. Um, uh, so, you know, a minute ago I was talking about, um, you know, the subtext of what you're seeing on screen in the movie Unfriended and what the behavior of the characters are doing. And it's interesting, recently Will Smith, probably promoting Suicide Squad, actually was on a late night talk show and was asked about the the sort of sad state of racial tension cop african-american relationship that's happening in our country right now in a, in a really sad and tragic way and the the interviewer asked him like do you think this has been amplified lately or, or or is more than it ever has been and his comment was do you think we're more racist now than we were 100 years ago wow he said no it's just it's all being filmed and it's all being broadcast and it's all being distributed. And it's interesting, you know, sort of trying, trying to, with some sort of uh, nuance, meld these ideas together, that notion of subtext. You know, you can, and, and to, to applaud your comment of consistency and a consistent ethic of human interaction really invites us to say, okay, the internet affords you the capability to have, to let your subtext be heard and you not have responsibility or accountability for it. Right. Like, we all think terrible things, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, you can be, you can be the, the best Christian there ever was to whatever, however you define that. And you're still going to have negative thoughts, Absolutely. you know, and, and, and I, I would personally encourage you to not think less of yourself or having the occasional negative thought. It's, it's that now we live in a world where somehow the internet encourages and invites us to, to sort of put that negativity out there. Yeah. And to not feel accountable for it. Absolutely. Um, you know, and so you've got comments like, like Will Smith's like, no, we, we aren't, I don't think humanity's any darker than it's ever been, right. you know, in, right. in our inner life. It's just somehow a page has turned with our technology where we feel okay just splattering that, that dark inner life out into the world. Absolutely. Because somehow we don't see that there's a connection between what we say there and how we behave in the real. I would encourage a lot of people. Um, there's a book I read a couple of years ago. I don't know if you got around to this one or not. Sherry Turkle's Alone Together. Oh, I did read that. Oh, yes. It's, yeah, it's, it's a phenomenal it's, book. It's hefty. I mean, there's, it, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if it's a textbook in some college course. But it is a fascinating look at how technology is affecting people and our interaction and our relationships and the health of those relationships in the 21st century. I mean, right. you know, the, the title specifically relates to we're more connected than we have ever, than we've ever been and yet more depressed and alone and isolated Absolutely. Um, by virtue of all that. And, and I'll say this here, you've got a about to be five year old. I've got an eight year old, one that will turn six and another on the way. And I, I would hate to be a high schooler in this day and age. Yep, absolutely. And, and I don't, I, you know, I need to start prepping myself for that coming reality, you know, to, to piggyback on our, our last week conversation in witches of being kind and smart and loving and how we encourage our children, uh, you know, you can reference your own children or just a younger generation, like the need to exercise that idea in all facets of your life and how the internet affords you a, a disconnect of empathy. You know, yes. I can, I can, I can say a terrible thing about you, but because I don't see how it respond, how you respond to that terrible thing said, right. it cuts me off from feeling empathy for you. Correct. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and just the need to be so conscientious. I mean, uh, probably for about three years now, I've been much less, um, those who know me well might say, have you, but I've tried to be much less, uh, out there on the internet, you know, oh, so, on yeah. Facebook mm -hmm. and social media and stuff. Um, I can get a little brazen for anyone who follows me uh, in terms of how I think um, Christians can get it wrong, but that's a, that's a whole other thing. But in terms of self-protection, you know, just there is, there are healthy ways of relating to people and there are unhealthy ways. And for some reason, the internet 
and I use that in a broad way, social media, I don't even mean just specifically Facebook. We see it in Twitter, the Leslie Jones stuff of the song of oh Ghostbusters. Goodness. It's horrible. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there is some, some strange phenomena that happens where people just feel the freedom to be absolute, absolutely awful. Just, just terrible. I, I, can, I think I can safely say both of us are censoring ourselves for, for, for how uh, vitriolic we would love to get about about some of the people who behave this way. I heard about the Leslie Jones Twitter thing, and I'm thinking, <laughs> so terrible. What, what planet are some of these people from that think it is ever okay to subject a person to that degree of, of ridicule? Right. And, and yes, they're a public figure, and I have heard people say, well, they're in the public, they should expect it. No, 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 no. There is no place, I'm about to get very passionate. Listeners, forgive me, co-host, forgive me. There is no place on the planet where you are given carte blanche permission to violate uh, somebody's personal feelings, um, to to call them, to equate them with an animal because of their appearance, to degrade them for their behavior, to uh, say that they to take should take all their personal data and throw it up on the for all to see. Absolutely, and not only that. One thing that I find offensive. If you have done this, listener, I will forgive you. But I, you are unfriended. But you are unfriended. <laughs> I find it deplorable behavior to be in a public place and see behavior that you disapprove of and take it upon yourself to photograph this behavior and then blast it over social media. Sure. I find that behavior despicable. I'm not going to pull a punch there. To photograph someone in a moment, I see it happen a lot with people who will be at a restaurant and then somebody will be on their phone or a table of people will be on their phone and or somebody will be there and their child will have a device and then they will snap a picture of that and post it and say, this is what's wrong with our country. Right, this right. is what's wrong with our society. And I so badly want to respond to that and say, the fact that you did this right. is what's wrong with our society. The fact that you, from a distance, having never shaken this person's hand right. or gone over and interacted with this person in any way, are casting a disparaging judgment on their behavior with no knowledge whatsoever. My wife is one of the most compassionate people I know. We were out at a restaurant the other evening, and there was a family near us who were having difficulty with their triplet children. And their children were, uh, were young. They were probably eight or nine months old. They were all toddlers, and, um, or like pre-toddler even. And they, they were loud. They were crying. They were frustrated and upset. And this couple were doing everything they could. They, they, would, they would walk with the child outside. They would bring them back in. The moment they would sit back down with them, the child would start crying again. To the degree that our waitress, who was, we were directly across from these people, and they were, you know, the waitress apologized and said, you know, hey, I'm sorry about this. My wife and I were both like, hey, we, we have a son. We, we understand that sometimes it can be challenging. Um, this is a little different from the social media thing, but I so admired my wife that when this family was done with their meal and getting up to leave, my wife made a point to say, you know, how old are they and interact with these people. And then she said to them, she said, you guys are awesome parents and you're doing a good job. You know, keep, keep strong that I, I forget exact wording of what she said other than you're awesome parents. And, and I could see in their faces how encouraged and relieved they were and that somebody understood and somebody got it. My, my wife took a moment to interject some kindness into the situation. What social media and Facebook allows you to do is exactly the opposite. It allows you to look at a person or an individual and make a cheap joke or cast some snap judgment on someone and feel zero repercussions for it and feel absolutely no uh, repeated judgment yourself because all those people who uh, violated Leslie Jones' Twitter, I, I, I don't see them facing any repercussions for it. Maybe their Twitter got blocked, but they go to work. They go about their business every other day. Um, Yet they've done this thing very publicly to this person. Well, and you know, what's, what's scary to me and you and I were chatting about this before recording is the trouble, the troubling arc of 
what is negative on social media keeps bending towards the commodification of shame. You know, the, right. the, we've made a commodity of other people's shame and vulnerability. Absolutely. And, and what a treacherously unchrist sort of move. And, and I just feel like, uh, you know, clearly for some, you know, this movie <laughs> incites, I mean, social media is such an omnipresent force in our society right now. Right. I mean, right. the fact that people are listening to this is because of social media Absolutely. outlets, you know. Right. Um, but, the, but the call to faithfulness in the Christian life is love of neighbor as love of self. And the concern that, that kind of festers in me as I, as I read certain, certain outlets online, and, and you and I were just talking about a certain online personality right to, uh, yesterday, if you want to find out who it is, message us directly and I'll tell you. But, <laughs> you know, this person who, who positions themselves as speaking for Christian people and labeling, just being, just labeling, you know, I can kind of leave it there. It's, it's relative to some of the stuff going on in, in the news right now. But what I said to you last night, Reed, was what's troubling to me about that is this, this uh, unwillingness to be slow to speak. Right. Because more often than not, your first impulse is the wrong one. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and here, here, here I'm bringing it all around with social media. Social media rewards first impulse. Yes, it does. It says, what are you thinking right now based on what you've just seen? Go, say it. Mm -hmm. And you do that enough and you have zero boundary on your own internal life. Yeah, your filter erodes. Right. There is, yeah, to, to the point there is none. And, and I think that's such a troubling, that's, that's why for me personally, I've become much more cautious, much more conscientious or attempting to be, you know, be slow to speak, mm -hmm. be slow to anger, you know, injustice in the world should anger you, but you still have to subject those feelings to a certain process. And that is the scary thing with social media, you know, go to any Go, go, go find your favorite hate read. And you, you know what I mean? The, the, the person out there that you just don't like and yet you still clickbait their material and just read a comment section. It is scary. It's a scary place. It's frightening. And, and I, I, I try not to live in the, in dwelling on those sorts of things, but yes, it is, it is scary times to where social media rewards that first impulse, you know, and, and whoever can say it the most, disgustedly whoever can say it the most callously right the least compassionately is who gets the most clicks and and Absolutely. and and that's sort of the the sad sort of state on that note have a good day reed <laughs> <laughs> everyone turn off your computer oh man put down your iphone yeah. um but you know i think about i don't know how closely you follow this gamergate this is about a year and a half ago uh, i don't know it was it was it was this massive uprising of, of anti-female sentiment in the gaming community, oh, video gaming community. Like okay. it was serious and it was a big deal. And, but it's just these, these weird, and, and now it's this whole alt-right stuff, you know, that's, that's more of a political movement than anything. But it is, it, I think the point I'm trying to make simply is there are moments and days where it's hard to find something positive why we keep this around the way it is you know yeah yeah i do understand what you're saying and another thing that i would sort of piggyback and transition on that is something we haven't really talked about is the is the permanence of the of the internet sure because uh even with things it amazes me that there's an application called snapchat that supposedly uh you can only view these things for like a couple of seconds and then it's over or whatever. I, I don't have the app, so I don't know a lot of its functionality, but supposedly it's meant to be temporary, yet somebody can get it. Right. Somebody can access sure. that material. When you put something up on the internet, we are sitting here recording a show that is in some way indelible. Now, we don't know how many people are going to listen to it, but... All of them. All of them. <laughs> all of the people. But... It's, it's indelible. It's there. It's always going to be possible to access this to some degree. Well, maybe not always, but you put something up on Facebook or you send an email or you, you put something up on social media, particularly celebrities. I'll tell you who I would hate to be right now is a celebrity. Sure. Because you say one thing that is, 
that is uh, taken as offensive or taken as insensitive, and they will reject you. One thing that is a, a side tangent, I'll make this statement and then I'll bleed into something else that I want to say, possibly as a, a way towards winding down. Um, I've said that I have a concept about grace, which I begin to feel, and I don't know how this would hold up theologically, but I begin to feel that grace and tolerance are actually conflicting ideas. And hear me out for a second. No. <laughs> the, the fact that we are trying to um, hail tolerance as a word, now what I've seen happen as kind of the ugly dark side of that moon is if someone is perceived as intolerance, they get no grace. Mm-hmm. They receive no forgiveness. The conversation stops. They are indicted, punished, and ostracized sure. for their lack of tolerance. And it has begun to develop this theory in my mind because I think about theologically the concept of grace. Grace actually has no tolerance of sin, but it is infinitely forgiving. Hmm. So it actually does not tolerate any sin in your life, but it will forgive all of it. Sure. Whereas the reverse of that says, no, we're going to be tolerant of all of these things, and you find less and less forgiveness that happens. There's less and less of that reaching out for reconciliation. And I realize that I'm brushing up against a subject where people uh, need to have, they need to be sensitive to perspectives that are not their own. They need to be sensitive to um, paradigms that they did not grow up in and things that happened outside their back door. They need to recognize and be respectful and sensitive to the fact that they can't understand. I'm a middle class, white, straight, Christian male. There's no oppression whatsoever in my in my demographic, um, despite what some people Kirk may. Cameron might contend. <laughs> Sorry if you ever no. this, Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, I have to acknowledge that when I engage some of these subjects, I can't know what it's like sure. to be in those shoes. I can try, but I can't know what that's like, and I have to acknowledge that separation. But when we get to a point to where we, we need to be focusing more to the degree of forgiveness and grace for people who don't understand and trying to reach out hands of reconciliation, which as we've already stated several times, the internet uh, and, and social media interaction styles tend to want less and less of that. They want reactive. Sure. They don't want responsive. They want reactive. And that's a very different thing, I think. Well, and you know, again, I'll, I'll let you tie the bow on as we as as needed. But you know, a thought that kind of is, is coming to me in in light of the things you're saying, in light of all the things you're saying, because I don't want a listener to walk away being like, "Man, what a downer of an episode." <laughs> so, so I'm going to say another downer comment, and then hopefully bring us up a bit. What is frightening to me about the internet is it makes victims of everyone. You know, yes. it it if you you know. I think you would probably have walked right up to this. I'm going to, I'm going to go as where you did and take it a little further like this uh, six months ago, the, the gorilla issue with the parents and the zoo and all this stuff. And, and these sorts of things happen in the world. And, and we, the internet makes victims of everybody and it wants to distill everything down to a clean black or white. Yes. But, but life and humanity and faith and people aren't that cleanly broken down. Right. And so you have these situations that happen that we, that, we need to call tragedies, and we need we desire a certain comprehension of, mm-hmm. but the the venom and bile and and toxicity that arises and shame and blame that gets assigned, uh, often unfairly so. Um, you know, there's there's a place for appropriate shame, and there's a place mm-hmm. for appropriate responsibility for one's actions, but I just think if I if I would say anything to you read, if I would say anything to you, listener, if I would say anything to myself, like, we've got to learn and adopt and be practitioners of grace in every, in every dimension. It, you know, you, you who consider yourself a faithful believer and yet still occasionally are prone to, to sniping and vitriol online, the problem becomes, when, when the internet makes a victim of everyone, your job is to be the one who takes the blow yeah you know and and i think there's it's such a lost art to 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 exercise compassion 
like that, you know? And, 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 and how is that supposed to look? I'm not 100% sure. But I think what's, what is equally scary about the internet is the voice of the people will then determine a course of action. And the voice of the people is not always right. You're absolutely right. You know? And, and it takes discernment. This is not an easy task. No. You no. know, it, it, because again, you, you, it's, it's hitting the pellet, it's hitting the button for the pellet. You know, that, that is the definition of the internet. I'm going to hit the button and a thing's going to happen. I'm going to hit a button and a thing's going to happen. Yeah. You know, that first impulse, boom, first impulse, boom. You know, you've got to learn and try at least to exercise some restraint on those first impulses because it's often that second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth as you've meditated, as you've prayed, as you've right. sought counsel, that's going to end with the most healthy response. Absolutely. And that's what you act out of, not that first impulse. Absolutely. Um, I, think, um, I, I think that's a good point to interject the moment that I was referring to earlier that I think is the, is the scariest moment in the film. So to get back to the specifics of the film, they, um, the characters, we, we learn, um, again, spoiler, we learn that uh, the characters that are being assaulted and killed uploaded a video, a shameful video, of uh, and casting shame on this character, Laura, who killed herself and then is coming back to haunt them. But one of the things that happens at the very end of the film is the revelation of who filmed that video and of who posted it is put up on the Internet. And what you see as the viewer, as the audience member, you see that revelation go out to the Internet and then the camera holds as comment after comment begins to come in. People saying, you should kill yourself. You're a horrible person. And they start like blasting our main character of Blair for having done this thing. And this is the scariest moment in the movie for me. The ghost presence of Laura types on the screen, what you've done will live here forever. Hmm. That was the moment when I was watching the movie where I realized this movie has a lot to say about who we are yeah, now yeah. and what we do and how we conduct ourselves. That horrific notion of what you've done will live here forever. And that's the last thing that Blair sees before she, she dies. Right. She gets unfriended. <laughs> She gets well, unfriended and, and in the worst way possible. Put a punctuation mark there, and perhaps mine will be an ellipsis as yours aims for an exclamation point. Like what you're saying to me is is exactly what we're saying here. Shaming begets shaming. Yes. And 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 again, as we've alluded in other podcasts, like it doesn't mean you can never get it wrong. Your grace permits you to fall and fail. Absolutely. It's, but 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 shaming begets shaming, and at some point you've got to be a participant in stopping the cycle. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I'll say this as kind of a final note here as an explanation, as an exclamation point. Uh, So I have two passages of scripture very briefly. First is Matthew chapter 12, verse 35 to 36. It says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings out evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. Hmm. Which is a frightening thought that is sure. not often emphasized. The idea of, you know, we, we blast things out in a very cavalier manner, but we are accountable for how we speak about other people. Mm-hmm. We are accountable for how we address other people. We are accountable for how we relate to one another, whether that be in the virtual digital world or whether that be in the face-to-face world as well. Um, but one thing that the Internet doesn't have that our notions of faith afford to us is this concept that isn't used this way in the scriptures, but it's referred to as the sea of forgetfulness. And it comes from uh, Micah chapter seven and verse 19, where prophetically he was saying, you, uh, you will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Hmm. So the exact contrast, the faithful contrast to what you have done will live here forever is I will no longer remember your sin against you. Sure. If we want to be faithful people, I'm just going to be blunt. The second one is the posture we have to adopt. Right, right. We have to adopt. We are called and responsible to adopt a posture of, I will, re- I will no more remember your sins against you. And sure. be forgiving 
and be gracious. And I'm just going to make it a staple of ours that we're going to steal your language and be smart and kind and loving. I love it. We're just going to do that my, now. My family will love that. Um, because I think that is the imperative that we have down to us that we so easily and too often forget when we're interacting with someone in the digital or virtual sure. world. Um, I like to think that perhaps we've um, lowered our listenership today <laughs> because <laughs> we've scared them all into never going on the internet again, <laughs> which, which might not be a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm almost reluctant to give the social media cues. Right, right. We we'll leave it alone. We'll go quiet today. <laughs> Moment of silence. In fact, my last note when I watched the movie was I'm never going online again. <laughs> I didn't keep that one. Oh, man. Well, um, we encourage you to go online. And, uh, and interact with us. Uh, no, in all sincerity. Think we, first and then interact. <laughs> please, please think first. Um, this, is a, this is a subject we are obviously very passionate about. We want to hear what you think about this. Um, and, uh, and in a bit of a hypocritical move, I'm going to go ahead and give our social media handles. <laughs> um, we can, you can find us, because listen, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but it is not the end of the conversation. We're going to try to find clever ways to work that in now in, in more subtle ways. But um, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, at the fear of God. Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. I was trying to dump all the information I had in my head about the Internet. Oh, that's true. Um, or you can like us on Facebook. Um, we, we have good people uh, who listen to us and good, good uh, fruitful, healthy interactions all thus far. Um, you can also email us, fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, at Reed Lackey. Nathan? Uh, they can also follow me on Twitter, at the Nathan Rouse. <laughs> and uh, and, if, and if, you, if you get the impulse to come on and say something negative, just, just don't. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll unfriend you and then That's haunt so your dreams. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's true. Um, well, I think we'll leave this conversation here. I know it is a very big conversation. We'd love to keep the conversation going with you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And, uh, and as always, Nathan, thank you so much for yep. having this conversation with thank me. Thank you. And guys, we'll, we'll be back next week. We'll see you next week. Bye.